0: Amen. Welcome and good morning once again to each and every one of you uh, who are here in person and each and every one of you who are joining us online. Why don't we continue to pray? Because I don't know about you guys, but I know I need it. Okay, let's pray. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, God, we need you. We need this Father's Day, help us, Lord, to look to you, our good, good Father. Lord, that is who you are, and you love us. You love us, and that is who we are. That's who I am. My brothers and sisters gathered here, that's who they are. Lord, I ask that you would work in our, and give us, give us eyes to see eyes to see what it is that you have written in your word for us this morning, that you would give us ears to hear what it is that you have to say to us this morning, that you would give us hearts who are attentive to the working of the Holy Spirit within us, teaching us and leading us into all understanding. We need you, I pray, that everything that I say would be in keeping with your word and with your will, and I pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Well, this morning, or not this morning, yesterday, I was uh, driving in the car and a song came onto my Spotify playlist that, that stuck with me. And the song was, was called Who I Am by country artist Jessica Andrews, and, and the point of this song is her speaking out that it doesn't matter what circumstances come her way, but she'll be all right because she knows where she came from. She knows uh, how she was brought up. And the lyrics go like this, that I'm going to be just fine because I know exactly who I am. She goes on, I am Rosemary's granddaughter, the spitting image of my father, and when the day is done... My mama's still my biggest fan. Because when we recognize who we are and where we came from, it changes our perspective on life, doesn't it? It changes the way that we look at, the way that we perceive the world around us because we know where we come from. Well, happy Father's Day to all of the dads who are joining here with us. It is great to see you joining with us. It's great to know about you joining online. As we take a day to honor and encourage fathers, I, I, wanna, I want to show you something that the Lord showed me back when my oldest daughter was still in utero, and I hope that this encourages you as fathers, and I hope this encourages you as, as, as uh, want-to-be-fathers, Okay, but the Lord showed me something uh, way back when he he taught me that the way that I treat my children, pardon me, the way that I treat my children as their father, it directly impacts how they view God as father. The way that my children perceive me as their father directly impacts the way that they perceive God as father. And all you dads here, I want you to sit in that for a second. I want you to feel the weight of that reality because that is the calling to which we have been called as dads or at least one of them. So sit in the weight of that. But in in light of it, let me also give you the other side. The other side of that is that the truth is we will never measure up to that as fathers. We will never measure up to that. But that's exactly why we, it is so utterly important that we are trusting in the strength of the Lord in, in all that we do. That is why we need to be wholly and completely running after Jesus as dads. We need to be running after Jesus. We need to be digging into his word We need to be coming to him on our knees and asking him for the strength to lead our families back to him because we need him. That's what we've been called to as fathers. But now let me also say, dads, that to whatever degree that you have failed at this, and hear me, we have all failed at this. To whatever degree you have failed at this, and sons, daughters, to whatever degree that you have been wounded by this reality to whatever degree you've been stunted in your spiritual growth because of this reality i want to encourage you today i want you to encourage you that today and every day moving forward that you would come to your heavenly father that you would look to your heavenly father to heal you that you would pick up the scriptures And you would dive in and you would find who your heavenly father truly is. Not who that representation who led you maybe astray is, but who your heavenly father truly is. Dig into his word, crawl onto his lap and pour your heart out to him. Ask him to heal you and he will because when you seek him, you will indeed find him. Why? Because he wants you. He wants you. Well, today, today we're going to continue our study through the book of Ephesians. We're going to continue our study through the book of Ephesians and come to what I think is is an apt passage to study on Father's Day, a very timely passage for Father's Day. We, We come to a passage that calls us to walk as children of God. To walk as children of God. The old saying goes that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And likewise, we are called to imitate our heavenly father. We're called to walk as children of God. And so this Father's Day, let's consider what it means to be sons and daughters of our heavenly father. Well, if you haven't already turned there, uh, please turn with me in your copy of God's Word to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 14, and so you can turn there now, uh, but while you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of context that I think is important. So we've spent a lot of time highlighting in this, the structure of this letter, right, how the first three chapters, chapters 1 to th- one through 3, give us that theology, That we believe, and then chapters uh, four through six, four through the end of the chapter, give us give us the praxis or or how we live out that theology. And that second section, that that practical living out of the theology section, uh, the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter, he gives he a statement at the very beginning that I think flavors the rest of the letter. It flavors the rest of the letter all the way through. And chapter 4 begins with Paul urging us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. To walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. So in light of what you have been called to, we're to walk in a manner worthy of that. Now, if you read this book of Ephesians as like one whole letter. And, and by the way, I highly recommend you do this if you haven't already. Like, take the book of Ephesians, right? Often, when we read, read scripture, we just kind of read a couple verses or maybe a chapter. But here's what I want to encourage you to do take the whole book, all six chapters, and read through it as if it is a letter that was written to you from a dearly loved friend or mentor. Okay, one way you can do this is you can go online and and get, you know, all the text from the book of Ephesians, put into a Word document, get rid of all the headings and all of the chapter uh, numbers and verse numbers, and just read it as one letter. Reality is, it's probably shorter than what you think it is. And and if if you do that, what you're going to find is that this concept of walking is going to come up more than a few times. Because what Paul is doing is he's doing what... The biblical authors have done who've come before him. He's using this concept of walking to, to indicate and to talk about how we actually live our lives, how we, it actually plays out in the day-to-day working of our lives. So it's not just what you say when you've come to the church building. It's not just how you answer questions when you're surrounded by other believers at small group. It's not just that you pray before meals. Right? It's how you conduct yourself when you're in that business meeting or when you're on the job site. It's how you conduct yourselves and how you speak when you're just hanging out with your friends, when it's just the guys or when it's just a girl's night, right? It's how you speak. It's how you conduct yourselves when, uh, and how you treat your kids when you're flustered and overwhelmed and you don't know what else to do. And it's how you treat your and respond to your parents when you don't really understand the decisions that they're making. How we walk is how we live. How we walk is how we live. And here in Ephesians, Paul began this section in chapter 4, but with saying, walk or live in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. In light of what you've been called to, as followers of Jesus, live and walk in a manner worthy of that. And then he continues on, and later on in chapter 4, starting in verse 17, through to the end of that chapter, we're told not to walk in a certain way. He says, do not walk as the Gentiles do, or how you used to walk before you came into the family of God. Don't do that anymore. And then that brings us to our passage at the beginning of chapter 5. And so if, if you're able, I'll invite you to, to stand with me for the public reading of God's Word. I'm going to be a reading, as, if, as I said, from Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1 through 14. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ "...loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving." but when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You may be seated. So therefore, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Brothers and sisters, in our passage today, we're called to walk as children of the king. We're called to walk as children of the king. So I brought a little something here uh, with me. Um, I'm not sure if you can tell what this is. Can Can anybody tell what it is that I have here with me? It's, it's dirt. For those of you watching online, maybe you can't quite tell, or maybe you can tell better because he's zoomed in on it. But, uh, but this is dirt. It's just regular dirt. Got it from outside. Uh, it's, uh, it's quite interesting, though, because it's more than just dirt. It's the building blocks of God's special creation. You ever think about that? That, that dirt, that normal dirt, right, that we walk on, that's the building blocks of God's special creation, Right from the very beginning, God, God reached down and he picked up the dirt of the earth that he had just created, and out of it, he fashioned Adam. And that's, that's our, our, where our bodies came from as human beings. And then he gave it more than that. He didn't just stay there. It's not didn't just stop at dirt. He gave it more than that, and he breathed the breath of God into it, into Adam. And because of that, Adam and therefore his descendants, us as human beings, are created in the image of God. We're created in the image of God. I already told the kids this, but I want all of us to hear this, that we, you, me, are God's special creation. Did you know that this morning? Because when we know that, it changes our perspective, doesn't it? It changes the way that we interact with people, the that we perceive the world. It changes the way that we speak to other people, doesn't it? Other image-bearers of God. It changes the way we speak about ourselves as image-bearers of God. It means that contrary to what the naturalist would have us believe, there is something special about us, something special about us that is different from the rest of God's beautiful creation. That changes our perspective. It changes how we live and how we perceive the world. Because here's the truth, right? Generally speaking, children imitate their parents, don't they? Children imitate their parents. And what we're being called to in this passage is to walk as the image-bearing, beloved children of the King that we are. That's what we're being called to, to walk as the image-bearing beloved children of the King, because that's who we are. And as we work through the text, we're going to see that there's two aspects of this. There's two aspects of walking as beloved children of God. The first is that we walk in love, and the second is that we walk in light. We walk in love, and we walk in light. Look again at verses 2 through 6. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, that's the things he's already listed, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. As children of the king, we are called to walk in love. We're called to walk in love. The other day, my, uh, my, the family and I decided that we were going to take a picnic lunch down to Forbes Park here in downtown Hespler. Uh, it was a nice warm evening. We thought we'd let the kids play over in the splash pad and, and just have a great evening together as a family. And it was. It was spectacular. And then uh, partway through our time, the kids, we had finished our dinner. Kids were playing in the splash pad uh, Ash and I were sitting off uh, watching them, and we see in the distance some, some dear friends of ours who we hadn't seen in quite a while walking into the park with, with their kids. And so uh, we got to spend uh, just this incredible time uh, hanging out with people we had not seen in, in quite a while. And as we were talking, uh, they said that as they were walking into the park, they saw our kids, and they said to themselves, hey, that looks like Mackenzie and Jaden, but, but it can't be. They're way too big. And I have to be honest, I tend to agree with them. They are way too big. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is, is it was Mackenzie and Jay, and They just hadn't been acquainted with them for quite a while. And so they, didn't, they couldn't see the true them, right? Because, because if we really want to know something or someone, we need to be acquainted with what it truly is, right? We need to understand what it truly is. And that's what the Apostle Paul is doing in our text here. And what he's doing is he's beginning by by showing us what true love is. How? By pointing us to Jesus. By pointing us to Jesus. Brothers and sisters, do you want to know how to faithfully serve God as Father? Do you want to know how to live as beloved children of the King? Do you want to know how to imitate God? That's That's how he begins, right? He commands us, be imitators of God. You want to know how to do that? Look to Jesus. Follow after Jesus. Look at verse 2. And walk in love. How? As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus shows us how to behave as beloved children of the King. He shows us how to do it. Jesus shows us how to behave as beloved children of the King, how to walk in love. And and here, I think we see two keys to walking in love. There's two ways that Jesus shows us how to do that, or two key aspects of what Jesus shows us. And the first, the first is that we give of ourselves for the sake of others. We give of ourselves for others. Look at the text. He says, and gave himself up for us. So to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So what does it mean to walk in love? It means giving of ourselves for the sake of others. It means giving of ourselves for others, not focusing on on only what our wants are, not focusing on what our needs are, on what we want, but on what others need and what others want. Not on our comfort, but rather focusing on others. Or as Jesus says in John 15:13 greater love has no one than this that he give down his life lay down his life for his friends and brothers and sisters thank the lord that jesus practiced what he preached amen jesus practiced what he preached because he gave of himself wholly and completely we His followers can now, because of that, be called dearly beloved children of God because he gave of himself for us. But here we see a second aspect to walking in love that Jesus shows us, the second aspect. And that's the way that we look at the, the second part of verse two here. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, right? So walk in love as Christ loved us. So he gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You see, the key to walking in true love is its motivation. The key to walking in true love is its motivation. It's not just giving of self. There's a lot of people in this world who give of themselves, right? Not all of them are followers of Jesus. It's not just giving of self, but it's giving of self as worship to God. It's giving of self is worship to God because when Jesus, when he went to the cross, he certainly did it for our benefit, right? He gave of himself for our benefit, but he did it to give glory to the Father, right? When Jesus went to the cross, it was for our benefit, but it was to give glory to the Father. And in the same way, we walk in love by serving others to the glory of God, it's not just about giving of self, right? Because when we just are giving of self, often we're giving of self so that other people will see how good of people we are, right? It's, it's look at how much time I am putting in. Look at how much money I'm giving. No, friends, brothers and sisters, we give of ourselves as worship and to give glory to God. So this is the focus that Paul gives on what true love is. And he focuses here, and I think this really helps us, it serves us as we continue through this passage, as we come to these next few verses where we see what walking in true love is not. We see the flip side. In fact, in the next few verses, we're shown what happens when love, true love is distorted by sin. This is what happens when true love is distorted by sin. Let's read them again, verses three through six. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And so, while walking in true love, is serving others as worship of God, the distortion of that is serving and worshiping self. It's serving and worshiping self. See, the sin within us tells us that we need to look after our own selves, right? It says that we need to look after us because nobody else will. will. Brothers and sisters, do not be deceived. That is the same very lie that Satan used from the very beginning saying no one else is going to look after you. You're going to have to do that for yourself. But here's the truth. Here's the, that was the lie. Here's the truth. The truth is we have a good, good father. And he looks after us. He will look after you if only you will come to him. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. And he loves you. That's who you are. So come to him so come to him. But the distorted love that we are we're tempted to walk in, it is only ever self-serving. It's the serving of self by misusing the bodies that our good Father has given us, because ultimately, we're worshiping ourselves. We're worshiping ourselves. You see, what Paul is showing us here is that the sexual impurity right, which really is, is any sexual relationship outside of the covenantal bonds of marriage, right? Any sexual impurity is really the symptom of a greater issue. It's a symptom of worship of self, of idolatry of self. It's, it is love that's been distorted by self-worship, It's love that's been distorted by self-worship. And so while true love is is giving of self for others, the distorted love says, well, that's what I want. So nobody is going to stop me from getting it. That's what the distorted love says. Brothers and sisters, I implore you. I implore you to listen to what Paul urges us in verse 6. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, that's what he already listed. Sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking, idolatry. All of these things, because of them, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Do not be deceived, brothers and sisters, by the empty words of those calling you to this false, distorted love. Don't be deceived by them. Hear me when I say that gratifying those sinful desires of the flesh will only ever leave you wanting. It will only ever leave you wanting. Your good, good Father, He has so much more for you. He has so much more for you. So come to Him. He's called us to so much more. Why? Because God, our heavenly Father, Our heavenly father gave of himself because of his love for us because that's how much he loves us. Let's keep going. Verse seven through to the end in 14. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Those are the sons of disobedience. Don't become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Next, we walk as children of the king when we walk in light. We walk as children of the king when we walk in light. When I was uh, when I was a teenager, uh, my family and I uh, went on a church camping trip, big group camping trip. Everybody in the church that I attended uh, went, and it was you know at the big group campsite. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. Uh, and uh, one night while we were camping, all of us teens decided that we were going to go to the beach to look up at the stars, right? It was a beautiful, clear night, and we wanted to go lay and uh, and hang out and look up at the stars. And so we walked down to the beach, and uh, it was really no problem. We, we all knew the way. It wasn't all that far. We walked down to the beach. And at this particular campground, uh, when you get to the beach, there's a parking lot and then a big empty or open field. Uh, and then it's down into the sand onto the beach. And so when we got to the parking lot, we took off running. Okay, we, we were booking it across this grassy field so we could get to the beach. And, and we were running full tilt. And I had about enough time to hear, Kyle, look out for the... When I hit, boom full tilt into a picnic table. And I flipped over the top, and I landed on my back. Now, thankfully, I came away with nothing but a bruised shin and a shattered ego. But I learned two things that night. Uh, First of all, I learned that teenage friends are more apt to laugh at you than to help you when you're hurt, okay? But I also learned that when you are running in the darkness, you can't see the obstacles around you. You can't see them. And so I was running full tilt, and I hit into that picnic table. And here, Paul is reminding us of the reality of where we came from. Because the truth is, without Jesus, here's what he says. He says, we're not only walking in darkness. We're not just running through a big open field with picnic tables scattered through it in the dark. He says, you were darkness. Our very nature was darkness. Look at verse verse 8. This is where he says it. For at one time you were darkness. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. He said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. Brothers and sisters, as image bearers of God, we are called to walk in the light. We're called to walk as children of light. But in order to do that, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need Jesus to shine on and in and through us into this world. Because look at what the light produces. Verse 9 For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Think of a, think of a plant. If, they, if a plant has no light, will it ever bear fruit? No. The fruit of light is all that is good and right and true. And who here would honestly say they do not want what is good? Who here could honestly say they do not want what is right? What is true? Brothers and sisters, there's a whole world full of people who are saying they don't want that. It's foolish, isn't it? And dare I say, there are those in this room, there are those watching online, who are willingly being clouded by the darkness, whether that's partially or wholly and completely, being distorted by the darkness. Friends, do you want to live, do you want to walk in light as dearly beloved children of the King? Walk in light by letting Jesus shine on you. Let Jesus shine on you. Look at verse 14. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Come to Jesus. Let him change your heart. Come to Jesus and let Him shine His life on and in and through you into this world. But hear me, it's no easy task. This is no easy task. It's painful, but it's good. It's hard. It is. It's a hard process, but it's right. It's scary. Let's be honest. It's scary. But it's it's true. It's true. Too often, too often we want only what is pleasurable and easy and fun not saying those things are wrong. I'm saying when, when we live our lives wholly and completely devoted to finding what is pleasurable and easy and fun, when we live our lives wholly and completely to live the good life, as some say, there's no growth in that, is there? There's no growth in that. I, heard, I once heard a, uh, an, a U.S. Navy SEAL say something that was really struck with, stuck with me. And he, he got this quote from, from somebody else. He said, there is no sweatless solution to combat readiness. There is no sweatless solution to combat readiness. Think about that. It is not possible for a soldier to be ready for combat without working for it. There's no sweatless solution to combat readiness. And this is true for soldiers getting ready for combat. And brothers and sisters, it is true for you and I as followers of Jesus, as Christians, children of the King who want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. The truth of the matter is, is, we don't do it in our own strength. We do it as Jesus working through us, but that doesn't mean it isn't hard or painful or scary But it will always, it will always be good and right and true. And so let me, let me just tell you, let Jesus work through it. Don't shy away from it. Don't shy away from the struggle, but let Jesus work through it. It will always take work to be effective. So don't shy away from that. Just allow Christ to shine in your whole life, in your whole life. And when he does, do you know what happens? We become the light of the world. We become the light of the world. Look here at verse 8 again. So the first half says, the first half says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. So, as much as you are in the Lord, as much as you are allowing Him to work in and through you, as much as you are in the Lord, you are light in this world. You are light in this world, and this is true for us individually. But what about this? Friends, do you want to see the evil in our world exposed? Do you want to see the evil in our world exposed? I hope you do, because our heavenly Father does. Look again at verses 11 and 12. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. You know, I think we can all agree that we don't want to do wrong things. Right? We don't want to do what is wrong. Just like acting it out personally in our lives. We want to go away from that. But this takes it a step further, doesn't it? So how do we expose the darkness? Verse 13. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. So just like when it's physically dark, we turn on a light. Right? If we want to find something in a dark room, we flip on the light switch. Right? I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I know I have. I went hiking a little later at night than I should have, or a little later in the day than I should have. And all of a sudden, I realize that I'm in the middle of the forest, still a ways from my car, and the sun's going down, and it's about to get real dark in here, right? So what do we do? If you have one, you turn on a flashlight so that you can see. If you're running across an open field, maybe you want to turn on a flashlight so you don't run into a picnic table. But just like when it's physically dark, we turn on a light, when we are allowing Christ to shine in and on and through us, we become the light that shines into this dark world by following Jesus, by letting Jesus shine through us, exposing that wickedness. that means is that we're not afraid of the truth. We're not afraid of the wickedness that we're exposing because we know that God has overcome it. And so we shine our light into the wickedness. And so, do we want to combat evil in our world? Well, let's start with our own hearts by letting Jesus shine on our own hearts. And then let's shine his light into this world. Let's shine the light of Jesus into this world. Friends, friends, don't let darkness cloud your minds. Rather, as image-bearing children of the king that you are, allow Christ to shine in and on and through you. Allow Christ to shine through him, through you by coming to him, by digging into his word, by actually knowing what he teaches us, by allowing him to change us from the inside out to be lights in this world. Walk in light. You know, Paul, he began this chapter with a call to imitate God. It's a fascinating thing. Nowhere else in the New Testament are we told to imitate God. Paul says, imitate me. He says, imitate Jesus. He says, imitate God. A call to walk as beloved children of the King. Walk as children of the King. A call to live our lives marked by love, true love and light, allowing Him to change us, to walk in the self sacrificing, God worshiping love and the darkness vanquishing light of Jesus. Because Jesus loved us, and he fills us with his light. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, loving Heavenly Father, oh God, we need you. Father, we need you. For all those here, Lord, I pray, who, who had fathers who did not point them to you, I pray that you would heal them for every single father here who who has failed to point our families to you. Lord, do a work in us now. Do a work in us now so that we would come to you and shine the light of Jesus into, into our families. We need you to help us walk, each and every one of us, as beloved children of the King, to walk in love, your true God-honoring, self-giving love, to walk in your darkness-vanquishing light. To you, O oh Lord, be all honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, regardless of the example of your, hev- of your earthly father, I want you to know that you have a heavenly father who loves you more than you could ever imagine. You have a heavenly father who loves you more than you could ever imagine. You have a father in heaven who is willing to give of himself to fix the relationship that we broke. You have a heavenly father who wants you, he wants you. And so walk as his beloved children. And dads, dads, let's let's come to Jesus and follow in his footsteps and shine the light of Christ into our families and point them to the true heavenly father.